0: Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together.
1: Hello and good morning. How are we doing today? Good? Uh, My name is Brent. I'm one of the pastors here at North. I run our students and young adult ministry. And before I get into anything today, I want to share that today's a really cool day for me because it was one year ago to the day that I was actually here and I stood here candidating uh, to get on staff here at this church and um, obviously God worked things out so today's one year since I was here and um, yeah thank you um, but uh, man so I've been I've been doing this job for like 14 years and uh, my wife Brian and I were talking last night and she she went to the women's ministry we just want to thank you as a church um, the love we've gotten from you guys the past year has far surpassed any any love that we've experienced from any church setting that we've uh, We've been in um, across the country. So, uh, you've brought us a lot of healing from where we came from in California. So, we're just we're humbly so thankful for you as a church. We love this church. I'm so grateful to be here. I'm thankful for the opportunities I get to share with you. And um, it's really cool how God works that I get to be up here exactly one year later. So um, just just thank you so much. Uh, today we're talking about being a church that bears witness. And um, I, that phrase is just so interesting to me because we bear witness every single day to things, but nobody talks like that. Like nobody just goes up to somebody and be like, "Dude, let me tell you what I let me bear witness to you today about what I saw last night." So I want to really unpack this for us today, so that it makes complete sense. But before we get anything into Jeremiah today, um, I just want to say that as we've been going through these these verses in this book of Jeremiah, and God is calling Israel to help the kingdom of Babylon flourish, which in turn um, leads us to help our babylon flourish as exiles because this isn't our home our home is in heaven with our heavenly father and what this means for us we're called to help our babylon flourish which is our scottsdale i want us to remember that one of the overall missions of jesus that he has for our lives is uh as being a disciple is that every disciple is called to be a disciple maker so if you're a disciple if you're a follower of jesus you're called by god to go and make disciples of all nations so i want to i want to I want to pose this question to you today with no guilt behind it at all, but as a follower of Jesus Christ, are you outliving this mission? Is there anybody that you' you're, you've taken under your wing to teach them the ways of walking with Jesus? And if not, is there anybody that you're pursuing? Praying for, praying that God opens the door that you can lead them in discipleship. Are you pursuing anybody? If you're if you're stuck on that word disciple, I want to teach you the simplest form. I don't know if Josh is in here today. One of my students I always go, Josh, what's a disciple? It's three words: one who hears, one who obeys, and one who shares. So I hear the word of God, I receive it, I take what God is saying to me, I obey it, and in my obedience to the outside world, I then get to display the character of God, and then I share. I tell somebody. I talk to people about it. I continue the ministry of Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus tells us in the Sermon on the Mount that we're salt and light. We don't have to step. We we're not called to be salt and light. If we're in Christ, we are salt and light. So we're as salt. We preserve the truth of God in a decaying world fixated on lies. We're in salt. We're enhancing. We're salt enhances. So we're in, called to enhance our communities, enhance people's lives through relationships, to bring out the beautiful God things in them, and then light. We're supposed to be a beacon. Of hope in a dark world. So, do you live your life in a way that draws people into you because you have something that is set apart in this world? Light reveals darkness for what it truly is. And if we live out God's truth, God's going to use that to, to reach people. And ultimately, a light guides, it guides people. Are we guiding people to the truth? As a disciple of Jesus Christ, are you living out that mission as a follower of Jesus? Are you making disciples? Are you pursuing people to make disciples? Okay. In order, in order to teach and speak into other people's lives about living in the kingdom of God and living under God's reign, we ourselves have to proactively live that life. We don't just talk about it, but we, through a pursuit of Jesus Christ, we're changed and we live that life under the reign and rule of God. So many times we look at salvation, as or, uh, we pray that prayer and it's just our ticket to heaven. And we totally abandon the call God places on our lives to go and make disciples to lead people to the throne, to lead people to Jesus, and to live a life that is worthy of that calling. Okay? We have abundant life in Christ. Are you, are you showing people that they, can, they too can have an abundant life? Okay? There's obviously the knowledge to gain understanding about living in the kingdom of God, which is awesome. We need that knowledge. We need that wisdom. But then there's also the reality of submissive obedience to the lordship of Christ in our life. i want to ask you, where are you at in that submission to that lordship? in your relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not just information, but it's the transformation to become more like Christ in our daily lives. Too often we find ourselves with one foot in each kingdom. And a lot of times I'll talk to people that have a relationship with Jesus. And once again, no judgment. I think we, everything's a learning experience. We all need to be students um, of following Jesus. I think in our humility, God works with that. He doesn't work well with pride. But we don't feel equipped to teach people. We don't feel equipped to show people because we ourselves have never really f- submitted to that full lordship of Christ in our life. So it's hard for us to share and show what it is to follow Jesus when we're not doing it fully ourselves. We end up living a life of morality, right? A morality, and it's really to not rock the boat of getting out of our ticket to heaven. But we haven't fully surrendered and submitted to, say, to, to the reality of uh, this is what God wants from my life. This is the type of person Jesus wants me to be He wants me to build his kingdom, to make disciples, to share and show the love of God to a world that desperately needs it. So as we seek the flourishing of our Babylon, always keep that in the forefront of your mind that as you're, as you're seeking uh, relationships to flourish, whatever's out there to flourish, one of the hopes is, is that we're making disciples in that process to build the kingdom of God and make heaven more crowded. I mean, that's, that's one of the beautiful things about following Jesus. We have a role in making heaven more crowded, okay? Sadly, if we don't submit to the Lordship of Christ, we end up blending into our Babylon too much. And where we find the Israelites in Jeremiah 29:8, is they're blending in too much. God has this charge for them, as they're called to help Babylon flourish, that he wants them to live set apart, all right? But they are blending in. Way too much. So as we look at these charges that God gives the Israelites in Jeremiah, God desires for them and in reality us to be set apart in the kingdom that we live in, to have his kingdom mindset so that we build his kingdom in the midst of the kingdom we're exiled in, okay? We're not supposed to fully separate, we're not supposed to fully blend into our culture. There still needs to be something so distinct in us that draws people to the heart of God. So as we go through the series called The Flourishing Church, we're in this book of Jeremiah where God calls Israel to help the kingdom of Babylon flourish. If you're just joining us today, I'm just going to give you the, the quick synopsis of it. The only problem is that this kingdom that they're called to help flourish is the kingdom that just basically destroyed the Israelites' kingdom, all right, murdered a bunch of people, and then took them into captivity. So God says, hey, help these people flourish that just completely ruined your lives. That'll be easy. Okay? So as they were exiles in Babylon... Like I said, we have to consider ourselves exiles wherever we find ourselves in our lives because God wants to, us to step into our kingdoms to help them flourish so that he can bring blessing to them. So we're going to be focusing on verse 8 today. Uh, I'm going to read up to that point in Jeremiah 29, but first pray with me because um, we need it. Jesus, I am so inadequate to stand up here and preach your word. But I thank you for your grace and your mercy and the calling you've placed to, uh, to be able to share this message. And um, Lord, I pray for your words, not for mine today. Um, my words don't hold any weight. Yours, yours hold everything true, everything good, everything beautiful, everything life-changing. So God, as you speak today, I pray that uh, God, as we leave, as I always say these words, I mean it so much that we're not the same people that walked into this building today. But we become more like your son to live life on mission to bring people to the foot of the cross, to the throne room of heaven, to experience the living God in the same way that I have experienced you, Jesus. We give you this time, and all God's people said. Okay, so uh, Jeremiah 29. We're going to start in verse 4. Uh, if you have your Bible, you can. Uh, if you want the tangible thing, or if you have your smartphone, or follow along with the Bible in the sky behind me. Okay? It says this, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. And this is what we're going to be looking at today. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you. And do not listen to to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. Okay, so here's what's going on in the story. That, that, that brings us to verse 8 today, all right? The Israelites are still in captivity in Babylon, but two generations have passed. So time has gone on. If you remember, they're going to be exiled for 70 years, all right? So uh, time has gone by, so their time is dwindling in, in exile. So God, or as they say, Yahweh, is moving. And there's going to be another mass exodus for the children of Israel away from Babylon. Because, but ultimately, remember this mission of God. All right, remember this mission of God is to bring blessing to the entire world, all right? And that's why they're there, is to bring blessing upon them. But there's a couple issues that are going on that God has to deal with first with the Israelites, okay? So let me explain kind of how belief systems worked back then, okay? So if you're a kingdom and you have a belief in your God, all right, because there were so many false gods back then, and you overthrow another kingdom— all right, and whatever gods they believe in, as the victor, you see that your god is far superior to their gods. That their god is no threat against you and your kingdom. All right, so Israel has been defeated. They are taken into exile in Babylon. So the, um, Babylon thinks that Israel's god is ma- not dead, but defeated and has no power anymore. All right, so they're not afraid of the living god. All right, and what verse eight talks about is there are there are prophets and there are diviners going around to the people of Israel saying, "Hey, God's going to get us out of here a lot quicker than we thought." All right, I'm telling you this, this message from the Lord and God says he's like, "Hey, I'm not saying that." I didn't say that at all. So these these false teachings going on. And so when we talk about being a church that bears witness, we need to bear witness to the truth of God because these these diviners and these false prophets are not bearing witness to the truth. And people are getting thrown off thinking that God's going to restore them and get them out of exile a lot sooner than they actually are. Okay? So because of the false witness, um, people are getting getting thrown off. All right. So as a church, as a representative of Jesus, as as an image bearer, which which we all are, okay, we are called to bear witnesses to the truth of God, the truth of God. And so many times, like we bear witness, and sometimes our truth might just be a little bit off because we're not studying properly or we're not fully engaged in our relationship with God. And we have to be careful careful of this because we need to bear truth, not just to the word of God, but to the continued stories God is writing in us and through us and the world around us. I'm called to bear witness. You're called to bear witness. Just as the Israelites were called to bear witness in Babylon, we're called to bear witness in the Babylon we find ourselves today. So Fast forward to the uh, New Testament in the Great Commission. When Jesus instituted it, he says, You're going to be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And what is a witness? It's someone, pro- it's someone that proves that something really exists. Okay? So as a witness, your, your goal or your hope is to prove that God really exists based on your personal experiences with God, based on the truth of his word, based on the historical, historical accuracy Of God's Word on the on the accounts of other people in your life man I got so many God stories I got so many God stories I could fill weeks up but I always wonder like what are your God stories so often I meet people that like maybe their God story goes back to like 1974 and I'm like dude God's still been working for the last how many years you see what I'm talking about, how we can get one foot in the kingdom of God and one foot fixated in our kingdom, that we get so consumed with our own lives, we miss it, we miss out on the mission of God, and we miss out on the, all these stories that God's doing in our life that we can share about. I wasn't going to share the story, but God just told me to, okay? So when we moved, we, we moved to the Valley in 2015, and um, it was the first time we ever moved. We moved from uh, right outside Pittsburgh, and... Um, like, it was just scary. Our whole family, like, I could see my parents' house from my backyard. That's how, like, that's how close-knit our hometown was. We were, like, five minutes from Brianna's house. And the day before I fly to Phoenix to candidate at a church in the East Valley, these neighbors that we didn't know walked across our front yard. And they're like, we hear you're moving. And we're like, who are you? Why are you walking in our yard? And they're like, we live right there. And they're like, we hear you're moving. We want to buy your house. And we're like, we've never said anything about that. And they're like, I'm like, I'm flying out tomorrow for the possibility of a job. And they're like, well, if you get it, we'll buy your house. And we're like, what? So before we even had a job, before we even listed, before we even really talked about it, God provided people. And why? Because we had, we, we had no peace. We had never moved far from home. And now we're like 3,000 miles, okay? So if you tell God you're going to trust him, you got to trust them, all right? Sometimes it'll take you 3,000 miles away from home. So I go out and I get the job, and we already have our household before I get back. And then we fly out to Arizona for like 28 hours, and Brian is like, we're going to have to rent. And I'm like, nope, we're not going to rent. Like, God has a house for us. Luckily, we got paired up with a real estate agent that we love that's a very good friend of ours, and we found a house when we flew out for 28 for 28 hours. And the cost of living was three times as much as it was in Pennsylvania. And we're like, we're not going to be able to make this work. The first mortgage payment we got was down to the dollar, the exact same amount from Pennsylvania. And Brianna's just like, I need one more sign that we're supposed to go. And I'm like, stop it. Like, look what God has done. And then we moved to California. Very similar story. Moving back here. Very similar story. Like, the God stories that I bear witness to that I can share with people of the reality of who God is. And maybe a coincidence. I don't believe in coincidences because I've seen God work and orchestrate beautiful things in my life that I love to tell people to bring the reality of his goodness. And I let God work through the words. I know that my words mean nothing. I let God work through the words. I can't change people's hearts. And because of that, there's no pressure on me. There's no pressure on me. I just have to bear witness to who God is in my life and the reality of his word. Okay, so how can you prove that something really exists? When was the last time you shared a God story with somebody? Do people know that you're a follower of Jesus and what it's done in your life? As Jesus calls his disciples and apostles to be to the Great Commission, to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, that continues through us Today, and it will continue through us after the generations after us and after us and after us. We, I want to go back to the prophet Isaiah to see the God, concept of God using his people, the Israelites, as a witness. Because that's where we see the story unfold. We have to go back to the prophet Isaiah to see the reality of what's happening, happening for the Israelites in Babylon. And that just blows my mind that that's how God works. Because this is uh, Isaiah was alive way before The Israelites were in exile in Babylon, but yet through the word of the Lord, he's able to shed light on what their experiences are, okay? But before we get into it, let me remind you that this gospel message that we carry with us, it's not just words that we speak. It's a message that we get to embody every moment of every day by those who say that Jesus Christ is my Lord. If somebody asks you, why is Jesus Christ your Lord? What would your response be? I don't know. I love him. He did this for me. Share your God stories. What has God done for you? How can you bear witness to His truth, His reality? Have you been changed by Jesus? If yes, is it noticeable? Is there is there salt? Is there light in you? What's it noticeable by? Our lives get to be a demonstration of God's character in the hopes that God works in us and through us to bring people to His loving arms. I know God, and therefore. I make him known to other people. Think about this. I love this. I forget who wrote it or who said it. It was somebody way smarter than me, but it's something that I I constantly quote in my mind. So just close your eyes for a second. I want you to picture this, okay? It's just these simple words. It says, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ beside me, Christ above me, Christ below me, Christ within me, which is the hope of glory, and Christ living through me. Could you imagine if that you embodied that truth in your life? That you were wrapped up in that comfort. And you lived your life knowing that truth that Christ is everywhere you go. And when you, when you think about it that way, what I do is I take myself out of the equation. And I'm saying, if Brent isn't here, is my life lived in such a way that it's Jesus? Like when Brent's walking through Walmart, okay, if Christ is all of those things... Is it Jesus walking through Walmart? And that's the kingdom mindset we have to get into because that's how you start to bear witness. That's the reality of living in the kingdom of God. So Isaiah was a prophet who lived 700 years before Christ. The exile in Babylon took place about 500 years before Christ. So Isaiah lived way before this actually happened. So Isaiah has this prophecy from God years before the Israelites are taken into captivity, but God speaks of the condition of the hearts of the people of Israel through Isaiah, okay? Isaiah prophesies this message, and we see God call out his people and then kind of go toe-to-toe with these false gods that people worship in the time period we're looking at. And God is saying that he is the real, true, authentic God. He's the truth, and no one can stand against him. So Isaiah 43, 8-13 says, Bring out the people who are blind, yet have eyes, who are deaf, yet have ears. All the nations gather together, and the peoples assemble. Who among them can declare this and show us the former things? Let them bring their witnesses to prove them right and let them hear and say, it is true. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. I, I am the Lord, and besides me, there is no Savior. I declared and saved and proclaimed when there was no strange God among you, and you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and I am God. Also, henceforth, I am he. There is none who can deliver from my hand. I work, and who can turn it back? So, God's hope is to bring blessing to all the nations, but the people of Israel, uh, not just the people of Israel, but the world at this time, they're devoted to all these false gods that they worship, okay, which God addresses two chapters later in Isaiah chapter 44. The, peoples, the people that he's talking about, their hearts are hard, and they are ignorant, Okay? These false gods that people worship, God says they need to be exposed for what they truly are because these people put these false gods on a throne where God rightfully sits as the true living alone God. Okay? While we proclaim Christ as our King and our Lord and Savior, we still have idols in our lives that we blindly and not so blindly are devoted to these false gods that we worship with our time, our resources, and our focus, and we end up living dualistic lives that we're not, get li- we're not willing to give up one for the other. We want the best of both worlds. And the reality is when Jesus is talking about being a disciple of his, he tells you to count the cost. And he basically says, yeah, in order to follow me, you have to surrender everything. You have to be willing to lay down every aspect of your life, to die to every aspect of your life, to be alive in me, to follow me. Have you counted the cost in your life to fully devote yourself to the living God? Or are you still worshiping false idols? And uh, an idol is anything that you place above God. And when you, th- when you put it that way, like, I have so many false idols. We all do. And these false idols, they keep me from the reality of living kingdom-minded and in pursuing Jesus' mission for my life, to bear witness to the truth of God himself. Are we willing to lay those idols down and pick up our cross to follow Jesus Christ? What are, the, what are the idols that you worship today that are allowing you to blend in with the Babylon that is outside these doors? And are you willing to lay those down so that you live a life that is set apart, that bears witness to the goodness of God? So Jesus says, or God says, that these nations need to come and see and hear the truth. So God chose to use Israel. God, God's plan was always to use Israel. God tells Israel through Isaiah that they would be a light to the nations. We just read it, that they would be a light to the nations. But there's a second problem God runs into. Israel was no better than these nations. There was nothing distinct about them. There was nothing to set, to, to set them apart. So he tells them, you're going to be a light. But the fact is, they're not shining at all. Their light is so dim that people can't tell them apart from anybody else. When you are not living in light, you're not, tra- you're not attracting people to you, which is not attracting people to Jesus. You're not revealing the darkness for what it truly is as lies that lead to death and destruction because we ourselves get caught up in those things. And we're ultimately not guiding people to the true source of light because we turn our light out so much that we find ourselves living in, in such close to darkness but just light enough to see. That we blend in everywhere we go. And God calls us something to something so much bigger, something so much better to partner with him. So here you have an entire nation chosen by God to live and be set apart, but yet they blend in with their surrounding l- like camouflage. Set apart to shine, but they don't have a light. Where's your light? And that's such a cheesy, like, cliche Christian thing to say, where's your light, guys? Is it shining or are you hiding under a bushel? okay. But the reality is, like, if you only have a God story from 1974, then you're light, you're kind of keeping it hidden. Are you aware of the goodness of God in your life? And so often, what we end up doing, church, is we, we love to come in here and share these stories. And I love it because we get to celebrate with each other and um, we, we get to praise God and, and, and live that life together. But man, go out there and share it, go bear witness to the truth of God and the reality of who he is. We see this in Isaiah 42, which is right before, where, before God tells them that there will be a witness in chapter 43, which we already read. So I'm going to read two parts of Isaiah chapter 42, and this is interesting because God is saying, this is who you're supposed to be, and then the second part going to be, this is who you really are. I call you to be this. But this is who you're being. So he says, behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He's talking about Israel. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break. And a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth. And the coastlands wait for his law. Thus says God the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it, the spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon from the prison those who sit in darkness I am the Lord that is my name my glory I give to no other nor my praise to carved idols before the former things have come to pass and new things I now declare before they spring forth I tell you of them That gets me jazzed up. That, w- that we get to we get to partake. We get to partake in that. This is who God desires us to be. Okay? But then go down to verse 18. This is who they're being. Hear the contrast. Hear you deaf and look you blind that you may see. These are the people that are supposed to bring sight to the blind, like the spiritually blind. And he's saying, you're blind. Or deaf is my, mes- or deaf is my messenger whom I send. Who is blind is my dedicated one or blind is the servant of the Lord. He sees many things, but he doesn't observe them. His ears are open, but he doesn't hear. The Lord was pleased for his righteousness' sake, to magnify his law and make it glorious. But this is a people plundered and looted. They are all of them trapped in holes and hidden in prisons. They have become plunder with none to rescue, spoil with none to say, Restore! Who among you will give ear to this, will attend and listen for the time to come? Who gave up Jacob to the looter and Israel to the plunders? Was it not the Lord against whom we have sinned in those ways they would not walk and whose law they would not obey? So he poured on them the heat of his anger and the might of battle. It set him on fire all around, but he did not understand. It burned him up, but he did not take heart. Such a contrast where God's saying, oh, you have all these beautiful promises, but this is who you're being. I, I would honestly love for God to come down and have this conversation with me just as like a pep talk because I can't imagine like God saying, "Brent, this is who I designed you to be. This is who you are on the inside. This is what I put in you that I want to bring out. This is what I have for you. This is how I want you to impact this world." As an exile, I get it. It's tough. But but I want you to br- I want you to be the one to bring blessing upon them so they get to see the glory of me. Okay? I think it'd be so incredible there's such a contrast what God is, what God has set up versus who he's speaking to. This is who you are right now, but I want you to be this. So are you blind and deaf? Where are you blind and deaf in your own life that you are missing out on God's call to be, bear witness, to bring people to his feet? So God calls Israel to be the servant to embody and show his mission of justice, compassion, enlightenment, and freedom. But yet his servant is blind and deaf. Here's the thing about Israel they've gotten to see God move. They've gotten to see God move in supernatural ways. They've seen him work. They've been freed by him from slavery. They've got to hear through teaching, and God gave them the covenant law to walk with him. But yet they choose to be deaf and blind. Have you seen God move in your life? Have you seen God work in your life? Have you seen God work in your life? Who have you shared that with? Do people know how God has worked in your life? How, what, what has God freed you from? What have you been enslaved to that God has granted you freedom from? Who has seen, who has heard, and who knows it based on your witness and your testimony to? Who are you bearing witness to? So Israel gets this charge from God, but they weren't ready to take on this task to bring blessing to the nation. So God has to bring transformation to Israel. So going back to 43, which is the first passage I read in Isaiah. And the story that, this, that plays out in chapter 43 is basically God sets up this court this court vision, a vision of a court hearing, where he basically says, I want these false gods and all these nations of the earth to come in, and I want witnesses I want witnesses of these false gods to see what they have done and how great they are. But there's nobody that shows up because it's false gods. They're not even real. So it's Yahweh against things that aren't even true. So God says, I want to hear the evidence. And Isaiah 42, 24 says, God says, the gods are nothing and their work is less than meaningless because they're not real. So there's no response in any uh, from any witness, any false god, any kingdom member. So it's God's turn, and God says, who's going to speak on my behalf? So nobody's speaking up to all these false false gods. Who's going to speak on my behalf to witness the things I've done and who I am? He turns to Israel, the blind and deaf nation, and he says, you. You're going to be my witness, just like he calls us to be his witness today. This thing is incredible. Oh, I get chills. That in my brokenness, in my, oh, just filth and disgust, my blindness and deafness, God still restores me and says, you're my witness. And we need restored. We need restoration. Maybe you're sitting there today being like, man, I'm not good enough to be a witness. You're his witness. Maybe you feel blind and deaf. Go back to your first love. Allow God to restore you because here's who you're supposed to be. The truth of God of who you're supposed to be. Don't get into the lies of the enemy and be knocked down. I shared this in, in students this morning. I wanted to say this at the top, too. So um, sidetrack. So lately, like, when I, like, Brianna shared this with me. Sometimes, like, when I, when I preach on Sundays, spiritual warfare gets real, man. Like, it gets real. Like, I, yesterday I was uh, getting ready, and, like, I was, I was having a worship moment. Like, I was emotional. I was just thanking God and praising him, and yet I walked out, and um, I just got this, like, rage and anger in me. And I just felt like the enemy was attacking me. And it affected my day. It affected my relationship with my kids. So I'm just asking you, church, if you know I'm preaching, could you send a couple extra prayers up for Brent? Like, I'm not joking. I, I need prayer because I want to be able to convey, convey the truth of God. And there's no reason for me to come up here and pretend that I have it all together. So if you know I'm preaching, like... This has been happening a lot lately, even Brianna pointed out. Man, just throw a couple extra prayers out for Brent, just for peace and clarity. And even today, as I was driving in this morning, I couldn't even get myself to pray because I was so gripped by the enemy, feeling inadequate. And then all of a sudden, I was like, what am I doing? And I I just started, I pushed through it. I didn't believe the lies of the enemy, even though I sat in it for a couple moments. The enemy's like, you're inadequate. Like, you're going to preach today, but you, you fall short in this, 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 this. Here's where you're blind. Here's where you're deaf. And all of a sudden, God says, you are my witness. I want to restore you right now. And I was able to pray and pray through it and just come up with this teachable moment right now. So God calls Israel as a whole nation to bear witness in this court of nations and false gods to the truth of who and reality of who God really is. So God extends mercy and restores us even in our deafness and our blindness. Like, that's the beauty of our Heavenly Father. Our righteousness is found in Christ alone and our belief in our Heavenly Father. So God calls Israel not just to his witness, but his servant. And that's where I'm talking about kingdom living. Like, when you live in his kingdom, you are a servant of the Most High King, and you respond accordingly with him as your Lord, okay? Israel is God's servant. For God's purpose, for God's present, and for God's future. Israel is God's servant for God's glory, and Israel is God's servant for God's mission. Put your name in there. So Brent is God's servant for God's purpose, for God's present, and for God's future. Brent is God's servant for God's glory. Brent is God's servant for God's mission. We're not just called to be witnesses. We need to have that servant aspect first. Because if we live as a servant, then we understand the witnessing aspect is the second part. Because I serve God, I'm going to respond accordingly to what he calls me to, to bear witness to the nations, to take his message. I know God. I'm going to make him known. So if you've accepted this role where you said, Jesus, you're my Lord and Savior, I'm your servant, then you're, a wit- you're called to be a witness. Go to the New Testament because this just isn't Old Testament stuff, this idea of being a witness and servant. Paul Gives a message to King Agrippa in Acts chapter 26, 16 through 18. And Jesus says, rise and stand up on your feet. For I have appointed you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and a witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you. Delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you to open their eyes. So that they may turn from darkness to light. Okay? See the parallel from Isaiah? To bring people into the light, to turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. We see people be a witness in the New Testament and just a couple I want to touch on because these are the ones that always come to mind for people that bear witness. When Jesus goes to the woman at the well, she's so disgraced that she goes out in the middle of the day to go get water so that she doesn't have to deal with anybody. After Jesus encounters her and they talk for a little bit and Jesus gives her an account of her sin, but yet meets her where she's at and wants to restore her. He talks about living water, and she comes to see that this Jesus is the Messiah that she's been waiting for. In John 4.39, it says, Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. She bore witness to what she just experienced with God. He told me all, the word, all that I ever did, then Jesus stays with them, and more people came to believe his words. Okay, We have words that can point people to Jesus. So share your word, share your story, bear witness to the goodness of God. Jesus also encounters a man born blind from birth, and he he goes up to him and he spits on the ground, which is, I don't recommend that, and he picks up mud and he rubs it on the guy's eyes and he gives him sight, he gives him sight, the guy's never seen before his entire life. The Pharisees or the religious leaders were outraged and they asked the man what happened. They were mad at Jesus because of his claims. And the man responds in John 9, 25, and he answers about Jesus. He says, whether he's a sinner, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Something so simple. All he did was bear witness to who who Jesus is and what he did for him in his life. What is your story that you bear witness to? When you think about your testimony, sometimes I hear people share their testimonies, and it focuses on so much of who they were, and I think that is such an important aspect to see where Jesus has taken us from to who we are now, that it's constantly a work in progress. But if Jesus is not the main part of your testimony, then in my opinion, you're giving your testimony not the right way. Jesus is and always will be our hero. We are never the hero of the story. So when you share or bear witness of who God is in your life, make sure it's the the main focus is about Jesus, about Jesus, not about us. Share your victories. Share how you've been freed. So what are we, we're witness to, okay? So if you can agree with any of these, I'm going to ask you to do something weird. You don't have to, but if you can, if you align with any of these, you can give me an amen, or you can give me one of those "Mm mm-hmm with like your hand up or something. You know what I'm talking about, Okay? We got some ameners in here, and we got some, mm, mm. Like, I'm, I'm one of those guys, okay? So when you were, like, I was spiritually thirsty, but Jesus quenched my thirst. I was spiritually hungry, but now I am full. I was lost, but now I'm found. Mm. Amen. I was blind, but now I see. I was a beggar, but now I'm an heir to the throne of heaven. I was an orphan, but now I have a family and a father. Ooh, Sorry. I was a slave, but now I'm free. You might feel like a slave today, like whatever bondage you're in sin to. That's not your identity. Like Jesus wants to free you from that. I was, and this is the best one. Jesus doesn't take bad things and make them good. I was dead, but now I'm alive. I was dead, but now I'm alive. God is good. Bearing witness, it might seem like a foreign thing because we don't talk that way like I said at the top of this message. But in reality, we bear witness to things every day. Hey, did you see the game last night? Like, that's bearing witness to a game. Because you talk about something that you saw and you experienced. That's what our whole life is revolved around. Just listen to the conversations that go on around you. You'll be astounded, okay? All the people, I mean, the things that people talk about, it's mostly filth that does not bring life to any aspect, okay? Spiritual, emotional, physical, and we get caught up in this so much. All people talk about is the, the, the trauma that's going on, the, the political stances, whatever it is, whatever they're hearing on podcasts, Instagram. Where we are at as a culture is very dangerous because we have traded information for knowledge and knowledge for wisdom. Knowledge is just, I mean, wisdom is just right out the door. And if we're informed on something, whether it's true or not, we can't wait to go tell people about it. We don't care what the repercussions are when we give false information out. I have an awesome story, and I can't remember if I've shared it here, um, which if I can't remember, you probably can't remember, so I'm going to share it anyway, okay? Um, That's the thing about preaching. I just pray that whatever God wants to stick, sticks. When I lived in California, I was going through McDonald's, getting my Diet Coke with lemon that I do every day, and there was one of my students, her name was Cassidy, and I'm one of those weird adults that loves Disney, um, which we're, we're kind of fighting right now, me and Disney, but um, Cassidy, she texted me, and she says, please don't tell me you're moving. And I was like, what are you talking about? And she's like, well, I, I read an article that the Disneyland is moving to Texas because of the political climate in California. And I said, Cass, first of all, I follow Jesus, not Mickey Mouse, so, like, um, come on. And I clicked on the thing, and it was written in, like, 2005, And I said, Cass, read the article. And the first two lines of the article talked about how this is satire. It's not real news. That this has been a rumor for years. And yet Cassidy is heartbroken because the literal thought of me and my family moving away affected her. And I said, Cass, read it. And she said, no, I don't want to. I don't read things. And I'm like, but... We laugh, but that's the condition of people nowadays. We're informed on something, whether it's true or not, and we take it for knowledge, which is not knowledge, and then we don't have the wisdom to process through it to see if it's truth or not and what we're going to do with that information. That's where we're at as a culture. So when we're called to bear witness to the only thing that lasts, the only thing that is worthy, the only thing that brings life, that has to be more of a focus. If we want our church to grow, which I think, I, uh, God brings the increase, okay? I fully believe that. I think I want every church in America to grow, America to grow okay? But in order for God to bring an increase, if we want to grow, we got to go. We got to go and bear witness. We got to share and let God be God. But we have to bear witness as a servant and fall in line with the decision that we made to make Jesus Christ not just my Savior, that take it to heaven, but my Lord to say, yep, I'm going to do what you call me to do. But so often we need restored because God says, this is who I want you to be, this is who I design you to be. But we live here too much. We sit blind and we sit deaf. But just know, we're called to bear witness. God wants to restore you. So in our Babylon, what are you bearing witness to? How do your conversations blend into the world around you? How do these conversations stand out? Each day we have countless opportunities to be able to convey the truth of God, whether it's by our actions or through our words, in a world of lies and deception. That conversation with Cassie is one of the weirdest things I've ever, like, it's such a simple thing, but it was so enlightening. For God just said, this is what you're up against. This is what we're up against. What has been keeping you blind and deaf? What idol or what in culture has been keeping you blind and deaf to God's call on your life? Or are you a witness just by your terms when it's convenient? You, You see God show up, and yes, be excited to come and share that in the body of Christ, but go out and share it to bring the reality and truth of who God is in your life to people that live in darkness so you can be a witness. Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ above me, Christ beside me, Christ below me, Christ within me, which is the hope of glory, and there's no pressure because it's Christ living through me to bring people to his feet. I serve the living God and therefore act as a witness. I know God, therefore I'm going to make him known. If you know God, how are you making him known? If you go out to lunch today, how can you make him known? If you go to work tomorrow, how can you make him known? If you go to the store, how can you make him known? Yeah, that's daily life, okay? Be transformed to the image of Christ. So, all of these things that i just said Christ within me Christ all of those things take yourself out of the equation what would jesus do if he were in your shoes if you know what jesus would do that's what you should do because you're a servant of the living god a disciple is one who hears obeys and shares so you've heard the word today pray god what do you want me to obey what do you want me to obey today that i can convey and declare the kingdom of god through my lifestyle through my words, my actions, and my lifestyle. And God, give me somebody that I can share this truth with. Let's pray. God, anybody that has a relationship with you can speak those words. I was once was lost, but now I'm fi- found. And God, metaphorically or spiritually, I think, all of us can say, "I was blind, but now I see." And God, when you free us in those moments, it is such a beautiful thing. And God, I think a lot of us in those moments we say, "I'm done. I'm done living for myself. I'm done living for my kingdom. I'm fully gonna. I'm gonna do it this time. I'm gonna fully submit." But God, then we go out into our Babylon and we find ourselves blending in. So Jesus, thank you for restoration. Thank you for God, your your promises that you desire us to continue to be that light that brings people out of darkness by pointing them to you. So Jesus, the blindness and deafness, God, help us to work that out with you. And Jesus, lead us in the way everlasting. Restore us to be your witness, to bear witness, to share who you are in our lives. And God, you do you. You do your work. Just let us be obedient as servants. And God, may you get all the praise and the honor and the glory And God that we would be able to share an excitement and share stories of who's coming to know you. And God, that we would meet new people in this church. That God, heaven would get more crowded. But Lord, even in God, don't, like I pray, don't let us walk out of here with the same mindset to be the same person. But let us be Jesus just a little bit more. We love you and it's your name I pray. Amen.
0: In just a moment, we'll rejoin our pastor for today's closing thoughts. But first, we wanted to thank you for tuning in. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com. Now,
1: some closing thoughts from our pastor. John the Baptist says um, in Job chapter 3, he's, he, when he says it, he's referring to his ministry. He says, he, he, he must become greater, I must become less, meaning, meaning Jesus needs to become greater in his ministry than him. And I don't want to take this verse out of context, but I think there's something, uh, it's such a beautiful prayer that we can pray. Like, Christ, you need to be greater, I need to become less. So the takeaway today is what I, w- I want to, not encourage you, but I want, what I want you to do is pick one person in your life and pursue them. Pursue them the way Christ pursues you. Pursue their flourishing. And ask God, what do you want me to do this re- with this relationship? How can I enter this relationship, God, where I can help them become a disciple, an authentic follower of you, where they hear, they walk into obedience, and then they go and make disciples. I want to encourage you, if you're in a life group, um, let find an like, accountability buddy with this, if you're new, accountability... It's an accountability buddy. It's just a cute word. So find an accountability buddy that holds you accountable to say, who's your one? Have you talked with them? How's it going? Like, let's, let's sharpen each other. Let's strengthen each other. So that way, we together live life on mission. So we bear witness. Let God be God. And let's just praise him for what he's doing. But let's, let's bear witness to this world. Let's, let's point people to light that walk in darkness. We love you guys. Uh, we got prayer partners. Hey, guys. Hey, take advantage of it. If you, if you need prayer, we all need prayer. Go, go get prayed for. All right, we love you guys. We'll see you next Sunday. Thanks for coming.
0: Thank you for joining us for this week's message. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona and exists to equip all generations to love God love one another and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com